chapter 11, and we're going to, I have verses 1 through 3 down, but we're going to look at the first two verses, and over the next several weeks, we're just sort of kind of, we're going to kind of meander a little bit through Hebrews chapter 11, and there's a reason for it. Whenever you get to Hebrews chapter 11, if you are familiar with that passage of scripture, it is uh, basically, it is like the hall of faith, and we are, we are kicking off a brand new year. Of course, it is the year 2020. And I know that everybody in the world is doing this. Of course, whenever you think of 2020, you know, we've been, I've been anticipating 2020 for the, like the last 15 years because whenever we get to 2020, we're going to do something on vision, right? Doesn't that make sense? So but that's what we're doing. So finally, the day has arrived. 2020, we are going to be talking about vision as we kick off this new year and what God desires from us, what God has in store for us as individuals and also as a church uh, but our focus today, it is going to be on faith. It is, it is having faith that God has a direction and a plan for us, especially as we kick off this brand new year. Now, if you grew up in the church and you're religious in any kind of way, one thing that you always end up talking about is you end up talking about, you know, a person's faith. And so the question for me is, I mean, that's a good word, but what does that mean? You know, what, what exactly is faith? You know, it's something that we talk a lot about, but just because we talk about it doesn't mean that you necessarily have it. I heard a story about a man who bought a chainsaw, and he had been told that it would cut down 50 trees a day. He was a farmer, so he, he bought the chainsaw, and he brought it back after a couple of days. And he said, this thing doesn't work. And the, the man picked up the chainsaw, and he looked at it, and he pulled the cord, and the, the engine roared to life. And the farmer looked at him and said, what, what's that sound? Now, I think there are a lot of us, whenever it comes to faith, we're like that. We, we have the power and the availability of God that is there for us, but we have no idea really how to crank the engine. And the way that we crank the engine and seeing God move is in faith. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the writer of Hebrews really give us a good working definition of faith, and, and I really believe this. I believe it's important for us to see what the Bible has to say about faith because I believe oftentimes we miss out on its true meaning. Because, you know, faith really is, it's, it's like a chainsaw that can cut down 50 trees a day, so to speak, but, but too many times we don't know how to start the motor up. So the question is, how do we do that? So that's why we're going to look in Hebrews chapter 11 in the first verse in just a few moments. But to give you a little bit of background, this letter was written, who, who do you think it was written to? Hebrews, you know, it's the book of Hebrews, so it was written to Jewish people. And so it was written to the Jewish people, and a lot of the people were trying to figure out, you know, how do you come into a relationship with God? And there were many of them who believed that you came into a relationship with God by faith, and then there were others who thought it really came down to your performance, you know, if I live a certain way, then God's going to accept me. He's going to like me. Now, the latter definition of how we come into a walk with God, in a lot of ways, that, that makes sense to me. Because I think that's, you know, you have to, if you're going to have anything good in your life, it's something that you have to earn. But what I discover whenever I look into Scripture is that I have to place my hope and my confidence in God and trust Him to do the work. Because when it comes down to it, I can't do it. 
And so here's my desire for this year. My desire for me, my desire for you this year. It is this. It's for us to be a people of faith. It is for us to be a people who are going to believe in God for things that we cannot do, but that only He can do. But if that's going to happen, it will require faith. And so the question is, well, why is faith so important? What exactly is it that faith brings to the table in your life and my life? And so very briefly today, I just want us to look at a few things that faith will bring into your life. And the very first thing that faith will bring into your life, according to our scripture, is confidence. There is something powerful about faith, because faith will give you confidence. And you can see this in verse number 1. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. It is the proof of what is not seen. So if you look there in verse 1 again, it says, faith is the reality of what is hoped for. That word reality, it means substance. Now, strangely enough, this is a scientific term that means the exact opposite of a hypothesis or a theory. Now, for those of you who are scientific people, what is, what is a theory? What, what, is a, what is a hypothesis? A, a quick little definition. If anybody wants to speak out, what, what is it? Exactly. I have no idea what y'all said, but I'm just going to act like y'all know what you're talking about. So here, here's what it is. It is talking about something. It is a belief that basically has not been proven. It has not been put into practice. Uh, it's an assumption with no solid basis. But it, the, the Bible says that faith is reality. It is a substance. It, it is, and this is referring to something that is known. It's referring to something that has a solid foundation that you can stand on. So as Christians, what is it that we know? Well, if you look back in verse 1, it says it is the reality of what is hoped for. Now, when we talk about hope, it's not talking about the, the pie-in-the-sky kind of hope. You know, the kind of hope that I have, and so I'll just go ahead and say this so y'all can all just kind of chuckle and enjoy this. Like when Carolina played Clemson this year, I hoped Carolina would win. But that was not realistic, right? Okay, so, that, but that's that, that, so that's when the Bible talks of hope, it's not talking about that kind of hope. It's not talking about the kind of hope when you go into a gas station and you buy that scratch-off. And say, I hope that I'm going to win the jackpot. Now, those are the kinds of things that I have a hope in, but I have no confidence that they're actually going to happen. But my faith in Christ has substance. Now, that's what reality means. It, means. it means substance. It is the reality of what is hoped for. So what is it as Christians that we are hoping for? The Bible tells us. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 says... For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in this present age. While we wait, here it is, for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. You know what, we hope, what, our, what our hope is? Our hope is the return of Jesus Christ. 
And it's going to happen. It is reality. So who does Jesus return for? He returns for his people. He returns for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So what does that do? If that's true, what does that do for me? What does it do for you? It gives me confidence. It gives me confidence that as I live in this world, that is a world that is full of darkness, that, that I know I don't have to worry about my future because I know the one who holds the future. It gives me confidence. You know, there is something powerful about confidence. Um, if, if you're a tennis fan, I'm sure some of you are, are very familiar with you know, Andy Roddick. Y'all remember that guy? Uh, Andy Roddick was at one time, he was the number one player in the world in tennis, but uh, he won the, the 2004 U.S. Open. And I love this story. His mom told a story about him, and she said when he was a little boy, he said he always he carried his tennis racket around with him wherever he went. So like three years old, he's got a tennis racket. He always wanted to play tennis against somebody. And so not everybody really wanted to play tennis all the time. And so she said he began to play tennis against his imaginary friends. And so he'd be in the garage playing tennis. She said it was amazing. He never lost. He always beat his imaginary friends. Uh, by the time he was seven years old, he was so confident. This is, I love this story. He was so confident that he was going to be a great player that he autographed tennis balls, and he gave them away as Christmas gifts. Isn't that great? I mean, that is a kid that had absolute confidence. Now, did you know that as believers, we can have that kind of confidence? We can have confidence that God is going to take care of his people. Romans 8, 17 tells us that we are joint heirs with Jesus. You know what that means? The gift of eternal life has been guaranteed to those who place their faith in Jesus. What that means for me is that, that I do not have to be afraid of what God's word says and following God's word even when the world doesn't like what it says because God, God is truth. He keeps his word. Whatever he says, it's going to happen. So the first thing that faith brings to the table for us, it brings confidence. It, it is the reality of things hoped for. But here's the second thing faith brings. It, it will bring you vision. It will give you clear eyesight. Verse number one says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. And here's what we're going to focus on. It is the proof of what is not seen. Now, now what does faith bring into our lives? Well, we saw it, bring, it brings confidence into your life. I mean, it is something that is hoped for. It is truth. It's something we can stand on. But now that we see, now we see that faith also brings vision. And the second part of verse number one says, faith is the proof of what is not seen. What does that mean? I mean, what, what is that talking about here? Well, it's letting me know that faith helps me to see what other people can't see. That makes sense, kind of? Now, it makes sense, like, on paper, but then you kind of put that into your own practice, and you're like, what in the world is that all about? How can you have faith and confidence that something is true when you can't even see it? I mean, because I, I know a lot of people who believe in stuff that they've never seen before. Now, I know there, there are people, and if you're one of them, <coughs> you know, just keep this to yourself, but there are people who believe in Bigfoot. Did, did, y'all know, did you know there's a show on television called Finding Bigfoot? Have any of y'all, I've, I've actually watched that. I've wasted many hours watching it. It's been on since 2011. It's still a show. And, and people watch it because they think, finally this year, they're going to find, now if they do, the show's over, right, whenever that happens. But there are people who believe stuff they've never seen. Now, just because you believe something, it does not mean 
that it's true. I mean, I, I totally agree with that. But verse 1 is different for Christians. Why? Because it says it is the proof of what is not seen. It is, it is the conviction that we have that God is real. That what he has spoken is actually true. So then here's the question. How can we know that God truly loves us? You know, how can we know that whenever God says, when Scripture points out to us, John 14, when it says that Jesus says to us that he has gone to prepare a place for his followers, I mean, how, how can we know that's true? How, how can we live with joy and confidence in a world that, that is getting darker and darker? How can we have hope that we say is reality when we look around us and we say, mm, I don't see a whole lot of that? Well, it all, it all comes down to what kind of vision you have. You know, what, what lenses are you looking through? I, you know, I remember whenever I was, right before my freshman year in college, I, I was, whenever I'd drive, I'd have a hard time seeing street signs. And so I finally went to an optometrist, and they did that eye exam on me, and they discovered I'm nearsighted with an astigmatism. And so I got glasses. And if, if, for those of you who wear glasses, you remember what it was like the first time you put on glasses? Yeah, I, I, remember, I got in the car, I had my glasses on, I got in the car, and I looked out, and everything, it was, it was like everything was so clear. And I, mean, I still remember, I looked at pine trees, I was like, I did not know that pine trees had individual needles. You know, I mean, it was, just, it was, it was absolutely eye-opening. When I had the glasses on, I could see clearly. Same thing's true with faith. When I look, when I have the glasses of faith on, I, mean, I see so many things differently than everybody else. Instead of seeing death and desperation and hopelessness, when I have on the glasses of faith, I see that there is a Redeemer who promises He will come for me. I believe. And I have hope. And I trust in Him. You know, you, you see this kind of faith in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews eleven seven. it gives us the example of Noah. Now, you all know Noah. Noah was the guy who built the ark, right? God told him the big flood's coming, you need to build a big boat. Now that, we said, well, that makes sense. I mean, I, you know, if God told me to do that, I'd do it. Well, here's what's interesting. At this time, Noah didn't know what a flood was. It had never flooded before. He didn't know what a boat was. God gave him instructions like, Lord, I don't know what you're talking about, but he did it anyway. Why? Because he had faith that God tells the truth. He took God's word and he acted on his word. That's our calling. I, I want to act on God's word, even when I don't understand it, because I believe it's true. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, you know what I've learned whenever I act on God's word? It's true. I can give you a couple of examples, personal examples in my life. I remember whenever I, I really sensed in my life when I was in college, God calling me to go into a, a ministry for a vocation. I did not want to do that. But finally I came to a point where I said, okay, Lord, I, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it because I believe you are calling me to do this. And I can tell you this today, I can't imagine doing anything different. And I remember whenever... We felt God, Emily and I felt God calling us to begin a new work at Village Church. You know, I'm not a risk taker. You know, I'm not at all, but I felt God calling us to start a new church. I didn't want to do it. I was scared to do it. But then finally, he was like, you know, we're going to do this. 
and then I look and then I look to look at y'all today and I think, man, it's amazing to it's amazing to me what God has done. And I think, well, what I would have missed out on had I only relied on my vision and not on God's vision. See, faith brings a lot of stuff to the table. It, it brings confidence, it brings vision. And then here's the last thing I want you to see that faith brings. It brings favor. If you have faith, it brings the favor of God into your life. Look in verse number 2. Okay, it talks about faith in verse 1, and then it says in verse 2, For by it our ancestors were approved. Now, I really think a lot of us have a desire to please God, right? I mean, don't you want to please God? And, and I, I think about it, and I was like, you know, I, I, want to, I want to be able to stand before God one day, and I think it would be neat if God just looked at me and said, man, I just want you to know, I am so pleased with you. You know, you did a great job. I'm pleased. Now, I think where I, where I can get into trouble is that I think I can make God happy and please Him by what I do, that I can earn His good favor by what I do. But you, but, you know, we're never going to be able to do enough stuff to really pull that off. And, and you might say, well, why is that? Well, a couple of reasons come to mind for me, a couple of thoughts that I had about this. I mean, think about what, what, can, I, what can I do as a human being that will, where God will step back and go, wow, I can't believe he just pulled that off. I mean, is there anything that I could really do? I mean, if, if, I, if I help an old lady across the street, I mean, is it really, is it God going to look at me and go, that's so impressive? That's awesome. I mean, is God, God going to be impressed by that? Uh, is God going to be impressed that, that uh, you know, that I, I see somebody who maybe needs a couple of dollars, and I hand them a couple of dollars, and God's going to go, I, well, I'm so pleased with you. That was great. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with doing those things, but doing those things will never be enough for me to win the good favor of God because I have so much sin in my life. Those things will never overcome that. To think that I can impress God by what I do is, is sort of like me doing a layup in front of Michael Jordan. And say, hey, what do you think about that? And, you know, Michael Jordan said, you know, I can actually jump from the free throw line and dunk the ball. I mean, is he going to be impressed with the layup? Well, no, not necessarily. He's not. So is there anything that I can do that will actually bring pleasure to God? Look at verse 2 again. Our ancestors won God's approval by it. What is the it in that verse? It's faith. God's people win approval from him by the faith they demonstrate in him. Whenever you read through the Bible, anytime you see people acting in faith, they receive God's good favor. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. So then here's my question. What, why, why does a demonstration of faith please God? Because it gives evidence that you trust him. Yeah, and it, it's, it's something that is very powerful when you have a trust and a belief in God even when you can't see him. It is not faith when you do something and you can see it. It is faith when you believe something is true, but you don't see it yet because you believe in the one who said it would happen. Does that make sense? So when you have that, then you are demonstrating faith. When, when you experience, when you practice faith, it is then 
that you're going to receive the blessings of God. Now, let me try to give an example of this. That, that this idea made me think of a check. Now, checks are kind of old-fashioned and outdated now. But you, you might remember, if you still use checks or if you, if you get paid at work with a check, um, so it'll have on a check, it'll have your name on the check, right? And then underneath that, your name, it has the amount, you know, like you know, $15,000, okay, made out to you. So what does that mean? Well, it means that the person who wrote the check has the funds to put that amount of money into your account, Okay, all y'all, all y'all, would y'all like to have that $15,000 check? Just imagine your name's on it. But before that money can go into your account, what do you have to do to that check? For all of you old people who remember checks, what do you have to do? You have to endorse it, right? You have to sign your name on the back of that check. Now, the check's a great thing. But that power of that check will not be unleashed in your life until you endorse it. Same thing's true with God. God has written you a check. He's written you a check of forgiveness. He's written you a check of eternal life. He's written you a check of being a part of his family. Being a child of of God. All those things are in his account that he wants delivered to you. But you will never see those funds put into your account until you sign the check. Until you endorse it. Speaking of Abraham in Romans 4, 17-25, that's what we're told about him. Here's what Abraham did. It says, he believed in God who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist he believed hoping against hope so that he became the father of many nations according to what had been spoken so your descendants will be he considered his own body to be already dead since he was about a hundred years old and also considered the deadness of Sarah's womb without weakening in the faith it says and he did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Why? Because he was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Therefore, he endorsed it. Therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness. Now it was credited to him, was not written for Abraham alone, but also for us. And it will be credited to us who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now, you can look at that, and then you can step back like I have and say, how do I do that? You know, how, how do I have, how do I do faith to where it's going to be credited to my account as righteousness? You know what, you remember when you were a kid, did you ever play that, like, the trust fall game, you know, where you'd have maybe your probably wouldn't want to do it with one of your siblings, but they'd stand, person would stand behind you, say, you fall back, just trust me. And then you'd fall back, and you'd trust them to catch you. You, know, you couldn't see them, but you'd fall back because you knew they were going to catch you. Okay, now, y'all, that, that really is, that is what faith is. That's what we do in faith. When I pray and I ask Jesus to forgive me of my sin, and I don't, I don't know what your sins are, you can think of your sins, and what you're doing is say, Jesus, forgive me, and you are trusting, you're trusting him, and you fall back, trust he's going to do it. 
I think too many times what we do is we don't trust that. And so we live in guilt. We are mired down in defeat because we do not have faith to trust that Jesus has the ability and the power to remove our sins, as the Bible says in Psalm, as far as the east is from the west. It's a trust fall. Lord, when you say you'll forgive me, I'm trusting you're going to forgive me. You know, there are many of us, and we are, we are racked by fear of death. And it can, just, it can just overwhelm us. And we wonder, you know, when I die, what's going to happen to my family? What, what, what's going to happen to me? You know, whenever you trust fall, you fall back and say, Jesus, whenever you gave me the promise that you would give me eternal life, Lord, I can't see it. I've never met anybody who's been to heaven and been back. But, Lord, I'm going to trust that when you say something, it's true. And you fall back and say, Lord, my eternity's in your hands. And I believe that when you say, I will live forever, that's exactly what's going to happen to me. I rest on that promise. I believe it's true. Okay, now as a church, you know, we, we're, having, we're having a faith step coming up February 20, 23rd. Something just to- totally strange to me happened. A church in downtown Columbia said, we're giving it all to you. And uh, there's a lot of things that began to roll through my mind. I mean, I'm walking through that building, and I'm thinking, this thing is huge. This thing means money. This thing's overwhelming. This neighborhood is totally different than Blythewood. Y'all, downtown Columbia is not Blythewood. I look at the things that need to happen, but then here's here's what I've come to. Lord, you have given it to us, and because you have given it to us, you will enable us to perform what you have called us to do. God has given us the check we got to endorse it. And we do that through faith. Now, now what is faith? You know, what, what does faith bring to the table? It will bring you confidence when you have it. It will give you a vision to see things that nobody else sees when you have faith in Him. And faith will bring you the good favor of God. So we're kicking off 2020. Let's kick off 2020 in faith. Faith in what? Faith, faith that God's good. We have to have that faith. God is good. Faith that God has a plan for us. That, that, faith, that faith that God will provide us with the opportunity to share him with others. This year I'm having faith that God has called our church to make a difference in Blythewood and expand our ministry into downtown Columbia. I'm having faith that God's going to do that. I'm having faith that God, that God put us here in Blythewood for a reason. That God gave us 15 acres of land for a reason. Did y'all notice the trees over there? They disappeared. Okay, now God did not give us those extra seven acres over there so we could enjoy the trees. I like trees. But he gave us that because our church, we need more parking. And so we are having faith that God is going to fill up that parking lot and eventually he's going to put another building on that place because God wants to be glorified through us in Blythewood. I'm having faith that God will bless Village Church with good favor as we serve people in his name. Whenever we look at things through faith, there's confidence and there's joy knowing that God uses regular people like you and me to do his work. That is good news.